Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, April 3rd. If you have a good idea, it may be the better part of valor to discuss it with those only who share your ideals. Protect it from people who might jeer simply because it fails to conform with their preconceptions. Let your confidence gain strength before exposing the idea to human goats who take pleasure in nibbling on other people's inspirations. <laughs> what an image. Human goats who take pleasure in nibbling up your ideas. <laughs> I, Swamiji would often comment, and I certainly watched it over decades of working closely with him, that many people who, who lead a group or lead a team or, in our case, lead a community, I know sometimes in the corporate setting, you're, you're bound by other rules, so I'm not going to talk about corporate right at the moment, although you can think about this. But in the community, where, where Swami had a great many people with a great many different ideas, especially in the early years. When Ananda first started, Swami Kriyananda had a very clear vision of where we were going. But many people came to join in that venture because it was the 1970s. It was back to the land in America. And people were dropping out of the traditional path that had been laid out for people of my background, you know, um, mostly um, middle class or upper class, relatively comfortable financially, usually people with um, educational opportunities and, and open doors into society, instead of just walking that way, which it, it's sort of like so self-evident for us, we just made a, a, a 180-degree turn and just went in a completely other direction, dropping out of college, dropping out of, of, of the um, force effort to make money, going back to a simpler way of life. And a lot of those people ended up at Ananda. Some of them stayed. Many of them just passed through. And Swami Kriyananda's position as a leader was self-evident to those who were attuned to it and completely invisible to those who were not. It was really quite an interesting and rather complicated situation. Fun, totally fun, but not without its tempestuous moments. So there were many people who felt that they just declared that a community ought to be a democracy, it ought to be run on consensus, that we're all together in this. I mean, somebody who showed up last month could just announce this is what they wanted, not realizing that Swami had spent years of his life earning the money to buy the very land that they were now claiming the right to, to govern, just not thinking it through. And so there would be all these different points of view about things. And many people in a position of leadership think that the thing that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go out to the ones who disagree with you the most and try to persuade them. Or even the ones who are, who are negative in their attitude and you know are trying to undermine you. Um, you, you try to keep winning the negative ones to your cause. Swami's position on leadership, which is what he followed and proved to be far more effective, was you gather around you the people who understand your ideals 
and you gradually strengthen and expand the positive, the positive circle. And then just let the negative circle just do whatever it wants to do. Um, Swami's comment was, if you keep increasing the magnetism at the center, people who are not um, in harmony with what you're doing, he says, will either be drawn in by the power of that positive magnetism and shift their point of view, or as the magnetism of the positive vortex at the center gets stronger, the people who aren't in tune with it will be spun off. Now, I mean, that's not either callous or Machiavellian. That's just a fact. It's like, well, when Swami Kriyananda was a young monk at the Mount Washington ashram, where when Master Yogananda was still alive, Swamiji was put in charge of the monks. There was a monastery there. And even though uh, Mount Washington had been in existence since 1925, and there had been uh, monks there all that time, when Swami was put in charge in 1949, it was the first time that Master had really attempted to organize those monks. And so Swami started setting up a, a schedule of meditation for them, of regular meals, of various other activities. And there was a man there who just basically said, this is not, this is not for me. I mean, he'd, he'd been a renegade and a sort of half-conforming. He loved Master. He, he was sincere in his own way on his spiritual path. But as Swami began to develop the magnetism in the center of this being a real monastery that behaved like a monastery, he just looked at it and said, this isn't my life. And he just walked away from it. He wasn't happy about it, but it was just the way it happened. When Swami gradually built that positive center of Ananda, we became more and more dedicated to meditation, to Yogananda's path, to seeing ourselves as part of working for something greater than just a community that would benefit ourselves when we began to practice a, a greater level of renunciation rather than just thinking about you know my house and my family and my preferences. It began to create a magnetism in which people just didn't fit. And they wanted to have a voice and they wanted to discuss whether we were going to do this and who our guru really was and what our practices really were and did we really have to meditate and why couldn't we smoke marijuana and various things like that. They just began, they kept meeting what was a clearer and clearer self-definition and pretty soon they just, it didn't feel like home to them. And it wasn't like anybody was being angry with anybody else, it's just the energy had shifted. And Swamiji says when you talk to negative people, he said, you can work really hard and in the moment you might be able to have enough magnetism to shift them a little bit more in your direction. But as Swami said, as soon as you walk away, they just fall, they just revert back. And so many people who are in positions of leadership trying to work with groups exhaust themselves to no practical purpose trying to convert the unconvinced. Whereas better to make the center so dynamically enthusiastic that those who are actually in tune with you will be drawn. And then what happens also is that more and more people on that wavelength will begin, you know, magnetically through the cosmos to be drawn to what you're doing and will recognize immediately that this is what they're looking for. And that magnetism builds on itself. And then generally speaking, the negativity takes care of itself. Swami also had the words that negativity... Um, uh, doesn't coalesce, but the very nature of negativity is that it fragments 
rather than coming together. That doesn't mean there can't be dark opposition, because there can be. So I'm talking on many levels here, but in general this is what I'm saying. So then Swami brings this all the way back to, if you have an idea that you think is an inspired idea, don't think the best person to try to talk to is the person who's least likely to understand or embrace it. He said, if you really want to explore the positive potential of your ideas, people have this idea that opposition is the way that truth is arrived at. But I have not really found that to be true. There is a point, obviously, in which you want to hear what you might be missing. But you, you have to have a clarity about what you believe and why you believe it. If your own idea is just barely formed and you bring it in front of people who just, as Swami says, like to nibble up other people's inspirations, and there's a lot of people who like to do that. They think they're smart if they can tear you down. And unfortunately, a lot of the way our academic institutions operate is that's what you do. Somebody brings in an idea and you try to tear it down. And you're considered to be stronger if you can defend your idea. But far better at least especially at the beginning, is that you get like-minded people who will feel the, the positive energy of what you're suggesting and build on it rather than trying to lower it. And often in the building of it, that's when the right kind of clarification comes. That's even when the weaknesses are exposed because someone who really wants it to work will say, yes, but, but there is this issue. Oh, I know how we could solve it like this. I remember a meeting we had with Swami, and I'm I'm still a little just bemused by this. Swami called it later one of the best meetings we'd ever had at Ananda. And we started planning a temple. We were somehow, I I have no idea how this came about. Maybe we really were thinking about building a temple at the time, although we didn't build a temple until decades later. But we started just talking about what kind of a temple we could build. And we began to just more and more embellish it. And I don't know what happened, but this energy took over into the room until the end we had built you know, this uh, hemispheric temple, a, a, a dome temple, a rounded temple, with a cupola at the top that had um, gemstones in it and crystals that were oriented in such a way that the sun would come through and different colors would come through and, you know, like this. And uh, it was not real practical, you know, financially or... I mean, even the technology that we were talking about using didn't exist, you know, that sort of thing. But we, we didn't allow ourselves to be hampered by the no-saying principle. And we didn't take ideas that were beautiful in their potential and then just immediately shrink them. We, we, there were no goats nibbling away at our inspiration. We were all allowed to imagine what could be done, um, not in an absurd world, but in an ideal world an ideal world. And I was thinking about this recently and saying sort of what I often say, which is, I'm not really sure why Swami thought that was the best possible meeting. But then I started realizing the temple that we eventually built and how beautiful it is and how expansive it is. And of course, the obvious occurred to me, you may have to come back from the most expansive possibility, but if you come back a little from the greatest you can imagine, that's probably going to be a lot bigger than if you sit on the ground and keep nibbling at what your possibilities are. Because if you go beyond what is practical, you can always come back a little. But if you never get to the limits of what is practical, you'll always be accomplishing less. And 
when when an idea is new, when an inspiration is just beginning to flow, when you're when you're you yourself are not quite sure, but you have a feeling about something. You know, I, I that certainly is true with me. I just I've had this idea for a class series that I could give and you know, I have a feeling about how it could be done and now gradually it's coming into focus. And at first I wasn't sure, but now I begin to see it. But I don't want to talk to people who are going to say, oh, that's a really bad idea. Or no one's really going to like that. Or that's going to be too hard to pull off. Or, you know, just all the things like that. What would happen? It's just a little, it's just a little baby idea right now. It's just a little tiny, it's just barely a spark. Somebody, you know, blows on it like that, it'll go out. But if others just, you know, I can see that. I can see that fire. Maybe you could do this. I can help you in this way. And then there comes a point where I know what this is about and I've considered the weaknesses and I'm ready. And if you must, then present it. If, if circumstances demand that you present it to uncongenial people, then you present it with genuine interest. At the present time, I'm involved in a very, um, in an intense disagreement with people who've been my friends for a long time when there's actually quite a great deal at stake. And we absolutely cannot come to an agreement on even very basic aspects of what we're trying to accomplish together. It's, it's nearly unprecedented in all my years at Ananda, which is nearly 50, which is 50. But nonetheless, there it is. And I keep examining my point of view, and, I've, and I talk, when I have new ideas, I talk it over first with the people who share my position, but then I try to take it as far out into the dissonant world as I possibly can. Tell me what I'm missing. This is always my, um, my question. Tell me what I'm missing. But I can really ask, please tell me what I'm not seeing because I'm very comfortable in what I do know. But I'm not fanatical about what I know. I don't have to be fanatical. See, we're not able to listen to contrary ideas when, when we ourselves are too insecure. And that's why, if we, as Swami uses the phrase, we build confidence in our ideas by talking to people who are supportive. Then by the time we talk to people who are not supportive, we can be genuinely interested because we don't have to protect ourselves anymore. I'm, I'm solidly comfortable that I've thought this through and this is a good idea. So why don't you tell me what, what you might see as a difficulty here? Plus, having thought it through myself, I'm going to have something to say back to you. I'm not going to be just like um, deflated completely by your opposition. You know, learning to work even with good ideas between the inspiration and the capacity to manifest it. There's often a lot of space and many or most people fall into that space and it never becomes manifested. So it's very important to understand how to work with your inspirations in order to be able to see the fruit of them in this world. So Swami says, If you have a good idea, it may be the better part of valor to discuss it with those only who share your ideals. Protect it from people who might jeer simply because it fails to conform with their preconceptions. Let your confidence gain strength before exposing the idea to human goats who take pleasure in nibbling on other people's inspirations. Joy to you, my friends. 
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.